Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, Danielle Bezalow. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, join my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, private sessions with yours truly, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of my favorite brands at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Five reasons you will masturbate more with Freya. Number one, masturbation increases the release of endorphins, which decreases stress, tension, and depression. Number two, masturbation can help you sleep better. Number three, masturbating can help strengthen and tone your pelvic floor. Number four, masturbation can lessen period cramps. Number five, masturbation can empower you to know your body better and know what feels good. Freya is the innovative premium razor and vibrator in one that gives you an amazing shave and the best clitoral workout ever. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya. And for a limited time, you can enter to buy one Freya and get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb now. We talk a lot about sex ed, but when we're shopping for products to support our sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, we head to the experts at Lion's Den. For 50 plus years, Lion's Den has been a leader in adult products. Whether you want to explore a new kink or add a little romance to your evening, Lion's Den has something for all. Each location is brightly lit and staffed with the very best experts in pleasure, passion, and romance so you can feel comfortable and confident in your purchases. Lion's Den is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. Let's play a little fill-in-the-blank game where you have to guess what goes in the blank. Cosmopolitan Magazine called the blank the little black dress of vibrators, and Time Magazine named the blank among the top 10 most influential gadgets of all time. Even at 50 years old, the blank is still turning heads as the most recommended and best-selling massage wand in America. Any guesses? The answer is the magic wand. It's loved by millions for a reason. It's powerful and hits all the right pleasure points. Want to see what all the fuss is about? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand to learn more and see how you could win your very own magic wand rechargeable. Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for UberLube. UberLube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of UberLube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. When it comes to sex, most of us have never had access to proper education, especially when it comes to the butt. This means both beginners and experienced players have had to turn to porn, friends, or Reddit to figure out how to properly prepare, play, and care for our butts. This doesn't sound safe now, does it? That's where Future Method comes in. Future Method was founded by a doctor to help people have informed, healthy, amazing sex. Because we should feel good in our skin and when we're playing with our partners. If you want to learn more about how to bottom safely, go to futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off their amazing products. Hello, Cindy. How are you doing today? 
Hi, I'm doing well. It's so good to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining. I love your energy. I love your uh, your positivity with your smile. It's making me feel happy today. <laughs> so I'm so happy that you're here. I said this to you offline before we started this interview, but we have never talked about, spoiler alert, foster youth in uh, in any podcast episode before. And we've had over 120 episodes at this point. So it's a it's about damn time, as Lizzo <laughs> would say. Uh, so I'm happy to have you here today to talk about that. And so before we get into that, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and just tell us about your work and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on 120 episodes. That is really exciting. Um, I listened to your podcast, so I'm super excited to be here. Great. Thank Um, you. Yeah. Uh, So my name is Cindy Cruz. My pronouns are she and Aya. Um, And I'm currently the director for the Reproductive Health Equity Project uh, for Foster Youth at the National Center for Youth Law. Um, So I'll call it REP for short, but REP is a campaign within Nickel, the National Center for Youth Law. Um, so it's that's where it's housed. Um, and I'm pretty new to my role. I'm still learning a ton. I'm about almost four months in at this point. Oh, but congratulations. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I've been in sex ed for the last, I mean, since my career started. Um, and I worked with youth in foster care when I used to be a sex educator. So um, while I knew in my new in my role at Nickel, um, I um have been working with youth in care uh, before in my, you know, through my, the, my previous careers or, or jobs. Um, but yeah, uh, my role at Nickel is really working along. Uh, we have a really fabulous team. So I work alongside them and, and our, you know, overall goal is to end inequitable reproductive health outcomes for youth in foster care and to really support their bodily autonomy and he- healthy sexual development. Um, and so we we do this in various ways, but we, like I mentioned, we're a campaign. Um, so we work together with youth who are in care, with youth who were formerly in care. Um, we have a fabulous youth advisory board, um, and we also work with a lot of our communities community partners uh, to be able to promote healthy sexual development of, of young people. So we we know that um, a lot of the systems that youth touch, such as the healthcare system, the education system, and the child welfare system have really um, failed to reach and engage um, and guide youth when it comes to their sexual and reproductive health. Um, so it's really important for us to um, make sure that we are uplifting the voices of young people and also supporting the, the folks that care for young people um, in foster care to be able to best meet the needs of, of young people in foster care. Absolutely. Well, yeah, major congrats on you uh, getting this new amazing position. And it's really amazing to hear that your background is in sex ed and sexual health and and working with young people uh, because I have a really similar passion. I think teaching sex ed in the classroom to people of all ages, but predominantly middle and high school students for me has been incredibly fulfilling, the kind of like, you know, interspersed times I've done that. I've never been like a full-time health teacher, but it's been really fun and really rewarding to be able to go into a classroom and be like, hey, this is this is the lowdown. Let me give it to you straight here because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty uncommon uh, that youth are treated with respect and with 
bodily autonomy from their teachers and from their parents and from their caregivers. Um, because I think that that's a skill, right? That like older folks, younger folks caring for young people need to be able to kind of learn and build. And so I'm sure that there's a lot of information, education that you all are providing at your uh, organization that's helpful for for caregivers and for youth alike. So that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, backing up a little bit, I'm curious about what your personal sex ed was like growing up. I think, you know, it, it for some folks, definitely me included, that definitely led me, you know, to the path where I'm at now. And I'm curious if that did the same for you. Yes, uh, absolutely. I think um, in preparing for our chat today, I was thinking about that a lot. And it really does trace back to like, my childhood and when I was young. Um, so I, I grew up in a, a Latinx, Latina household, right? Um, I was raised Catholic with strict Catholic uh, grandparents uh, and, and parents, but mo- mostly my grandparents. My grandmother was very influential in my life. And, you know, she's very um, hardcore Catholic. Um, and so that means that we never talked about sex. We never talked about bodies, right? It was just kind of not mentioned really when I, I look back. And so I think that's really was like my exposure um, pre before school, right, was just not really talking about um, sex, but also there's these underlying messages around like, shame around bodies and shame around sexuality and shame around pleasure. So even though it wasn't mentioned, those messages were very there, uh, were very much there. And I grew up with, you know, uncles, there was a lot of machismo and, and all of that. Um, So I think when I think back, those were like my very early on exposures. Um, I think the only message that I got was don't get pregnant. Uh, Don't get pregnant, because you're going to bring so much shame. And, um, you know, coming from an immigrant family, your parents are constantly reminding you that they they came here for you, right? And so like, don't don't mess up. So those were, I think, you know, my very early messages. Um, And, you know, when I became sexually active, um, I was lucky that I had a partner who was informed around like STI prevention and, and pregnancy prevention. They, they were raised in Europe, so they actually got sex ed. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Forward thinking. We like it. Yeah. Um, but you know, not so much around pleasure and, and relationships, but at least, you know, we kind of had the basis down, but that was really when I realized the gap in knowledge for me when it came to, to taking care of my sexual health. And after that, I was um, in a pretty abusive relationship uh, for some time. And after processing that through like therapy and yoga, I, I think I came to the conclusion that gosh, had I had I learned or heard about healthy relationships when I was young, I think that really would have made a difference. And it would have made the lessons maybe not as harsh, right? The lessons learned not as harsh. And so that really, I think, made me really passionate about saying, you know what, like, 
screw this. We need to talk about sex. We need to talk about relationships to young people because it's going to prevent folks from being in unhealthy relationships and folks from, you know, getting STIs or at least if anything, it's going to help people take care of their bodies. And so I think that was really the the start for me. And I became the the trusted adult for my for my sister, for my cousins and just oh, letting them know. They're so lucky know. that they had yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, I would just, you know, if they needed condoms, let's go, I'll buy them. If you need birth control, if you need to make an appointment. So I think that was really the start to me coming into this work. My um, my background is in public health, so I'm all about prevention. And that kind of led the way to me um, becoming a sex educator. I got lucky and I got a job with my local Planned Parenthood after college and became a sex educator. And that was just like you said, like what a privilege, like one of the biggest privileges in my life has been to be a sex educator and to have the trust of young people to talk about such important, really big topics that are going to impact their lives. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of that, that kind of kicked off for me, my career and, and it's led me to where I am now. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the beginning of your story really reminds me of the very classic scene in like the first few episodes of Jane the Virgin with her grandma kind of like having the flower (laughs) and just crushing it and be like, that's you after you have sex. And I think like from what I hear from like a lot of Latina people growing up, that genuinely was like their kind of experience. Yeah. And it's it's so beautiful in that show specifically. I mean, it's been over for many years. So spoiler alert, listener, that, <laughs> you know, the grandma changes her stars, you know, over time and changes her opinions on those things. Yeah. And I think it's really uh, special that it Jane the Virgin specifically kind of covered this idea of, you know, Latinx families with these like really intense Catholic values. Um, And that really comes across, I think, on screen and uh, in Jane's story. Yes, I loved Jane the Virgin. I felt so seen, you know, yeah. and I was like, wow, like I see that. And I think the change, the, the, how her grandmother changes, um, And now that I have conversations with my grandmother, I'm like, you know, you're not as harsh as I thought you were. But when I was young, she was, but she very much won't sometimes say it out loud, but very much knows that people need abortions, like understands the need to talk about sex and and how to be safe and how to prevent, you know, so she gets it. But (laughs) yeah, so I I feel that that's such a good story that's told in Jane the Virgin. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And yeah, really incredible that now, you know, you are the executive director at REP, right? With Reproductive Health Equity Project at Nickel. Uh, And you're really engaged in work, right, around reproductive and sexual health of foster youth. And I think a lot of people, myself included, as I mentioned, I will be learning today, uh, you know, a, a lot of people don't have a very comprehensive understanding, I think, of how the foster care system is structured, how it functions. And so I'm wondering if you can just kind of start from the beginning with us and just give us a a brief background on really the system and the demographics of youth in care, maybe how many youth are in and out of the system at any given time. Um, I think that would be really helpful. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a journey for young people um, in care, uh, definitely. So every state basically has what is known as the foster care system. Um, and it's also called the family regulation system. Um, and children between the ages of zero and 17 enter the foster care system due to abuse or uh, neglect. And what is abuse or neglect really is is defined by state law. So it'll look different for every state. Um, and once someone is in foster care, youth can stay in foster care up to the age of 21. Uh, that's typically when they like age out of care. Um, and that means that after that, they're, um, they're kind of on their own, right? Um, they're considered adults and, um, Foster care means that the state basically is taking legal responsibility for the care and custody of that of that child or that young person. Um, and it makes the state responsible to meet the youth's health, education, as well as placement needs. Um, and the states have an obligation to support, uh, quote unquote, like normalcy, right, in a child's life and to help them develop um, life skills while they are um, in foster care. And so the the overarching goal of foster care really is reunification with the original family. Uh, but sometimes that's not possible. And so when this happens, the system really tries to to put children or young folks in in what they call permanent placements. Um, so they're temporary or permanent placements, sometimes maybe with a relative. So sometimes it's like aunts or grandparents, uncles. Um, sometimes it's with a, with the foster parents or sometimes it's in like in a group setting. So folks may be familiar with the term uh, group homes and, and those are more like group settings. Um, and and they will often have like the foster, the foster youth will have a social worker or a caseworker that's assigned to them, um, as well as an attorney, um, and they'll have like regular court hearings. So as you can imagine, there's like a lot of folks coming in and out of the lives of youth and care. And it's not always consistent. You know, there's a lot of people in, in their lives really suddenly. So um the average length of stay in foster care is about one to two years, but a, a solid minority of youth, especially youth that are a little bit older, um, stay in foster care until they age out. So until they're about the age of 21, uh, which means they are in care during like really, really critical adolescent years, um, a lot of formative years. And most youth in foster care move around a lot. So um, specifically in California, 34% of youth in foster care attend five or more schools throughout their time in care. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And about one third will have three or more placements in a year. Um, and this is in California. So they're they're constantly moving around, uh, which impacts their um, outcomes when it comes to sexual and reproductive uh, care. Mm -hmm. When it comes to like some general statistics around the foster care system, nationally, there are over 400,000 kids in foster care. Um, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of, of young folks in foster care. And in California, there's approximately 56,000 uh, folks, uh, young people in care as of January of 2022. So those are the, the, the latest numbers that we have. But uh, what's even more wild is that one third of these young people in California are in L.A. County. 
So yeah, is absolutely wild. Yeah. So LA County has one of the biggest foster care systems in the nation. Um, So that's why rep really started their work in LA County because it is one of the biggest foster care systems. Um, And there's a lot that we can learn from the, from, you know, from that system and from working uh, with young people that have been part of that system. About 46% of the youth in foster care in California specifically are between the ages of 11 and 21 years old. So again, those really formative like teenage years. Um, Nationally, about 35% of youth in foster care are between the ages of 11 and 21 years old. So yeah, uh, within regards to who is represented or who is in the foster care system, um, there really is an overrepresentation of youth of color and youth who identify as LGBTQIA+. This is often due to, you know, discrimination, racism, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, etc. And just to, to share some quick statistics in, in California, uh, compared to white children, children who identify as black are 2.97 times more likely to be in the foster care system. Children who identify as Native American are 2.42 times more likely to be in the foster care system. And children who identify as Latino or Latinx are 1.2 times more likely uh, to be in the foster care system. And it when, when it comes to... Um, LGBTQ youth, they are twice as likely to be in group placement than their non-LGBTQ peers. So as you can see, and as with many things, um, BIPOC folks, LGBTQ folks are are overrepresented. And often um, folks who are LGBTQ are more likely to also identify as BIPOC. So there's just multiple layers of Mm. oppression that um, young people are facing. Excitement, intimacy, anticipation, contentment. Uberlube lets you feel all the things you want to feel when it comes to sex with yourself and with a partner. It makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Recommended by leading doctors, Uberlube is body friendly, free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. Plus, Uberlube is latex compatible, so it's safe, effective, and pleasurable to use with condoms. Try Uberlube now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Let me tell you about one of my favorite sex toy shops out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you all about them. Lion's Den first opened its retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they have grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building its reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff. Their staff are also sexual wellness experts who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being, and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They're simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase in-store and online with code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now. Understanding how to love ourselves and our bodies can take practice, time, and energy. 
Freya believes that it's really important to invest in loving the body you're in, and pleasure plays a huge part in that. I know it does for me. When I'm able to access my pleasure, I'm able to feel and see my body in a whole new way. My pleasure empowers me. That's why I love Freya. It's more than a razor and a vibe. It's a movement to practice loving ourselves with intention. For those who haven't tried a vibrator, this is a great first-timer product to venture into and explore your own pleasure. Learn more about Freya and their self-love movement at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. Finally, we can travel again. If you're like me, I bet you want a little pleasure while you're away, but can't fit your entire sex toy collection in your carry-on, huh? Say hello to the Magic Wand Mini. Born into such a famous family, this little wand has quite a reputation to uphold. Challenge accepted. Offering big power, multiple speeds, and unsurpassed quality, the full-featured Magic Wand Mini is more than simply a smaller sibling. It's here to create a legacy all its own. Want to win a Magic Wand Mini for your next trip or staycation? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magicwand to learn more. When it comes to anal sex, what comes to mind? If you're a beginner like so many of us out there, maybe you feel scared, unsure, or just plain uneducated. Future Method can help with that. Founded by a doctor and anal sex expert, Future Method develops science-backed products and non-judgmental doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog started by the gay community and now for everyone that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Yeah, that is, I mean, I think like when we generally talk about like racism and homophobia and when those things kind of exist in the news, like they are, I feel like are rarely covered from a lens of how this impacts youth and Mm. folks who just in many, many ways, like don't have any agency uh, over their lives because they are minors. And so I just feel very sad by that statistic or those statistics and very sad about the notion that because folks are queer or because they're black or because they're Latinx or because they're in a minority group that they are more likely to not have a stable home and not have a stable family and environment. Um, That's really terrible. And I imagine that it impacts, like you said, their sexual health outcomes really severely. And so that's kind of the next thing that I really want to get into is sex ed for foster youth. I'm wondering how is it provided or is it at all to foster youth? Um, how are maybe the sex ed needs of foster youth the same and or different from non-foster youth? Yeah, um, that's that's a, a great question. Um, so, you know, I, this also similarly, because similarly, I know you have a, a national audience, um, it's going to vary state by state. So in many states, you know, we have state laws that require or allow sex education in schools. Um, and what that sex 
ed looks like is going to vary by state law. So for example, in some states, it's comprehensive and medically accurate sex ed, right? While in others, sadly, it's like abstinence only or non-LGBTQ inclusive, um, or they're not allowed to talk about birth control, et cetera, et cetera. So we know that school-based sex ed isn't the only way to, to provide sex ed, but because of what we kind of um, were talking about, um, with youth and care and how they experience a lot of shift and change and, and not a lot of like stable, trusted adults in their life. Um, school-based sex ed is really important uh, for them because often this is like the place where they're going to get that information. Um, so I can tell you about California and kind of what things look for us here when it comes to like sex education. So we have the California Healthy Youth Act, also known as AB 329. And this went into effect um, in 2016. Um, And this is right when I was uh, starting as a a sex educator. So it's really exciting, like groundbreaking legislation. Um, And what the California Healthy Youth Act does is that requires public schools, including charter schools, to provide students with uh, comprehensive, medically accurate, unbiased sexual health education, at least once in middle school and once in high school. And so Chaya was really groundbreaking in many ways, uh, like I said, because it, for example, required sex ed to respect and address the needs of students of all genders and sexual orientation. It uh, required conversations around um, healthy relationships and sex trafficking. So really pulling out of like the previous sex ed that we had around just really prevention focused and STI and HIV focused, it really expanded um, the topics that we needed to talk about in sex education. It was also um, required folks to opt out instead of opt in, right? So that means that a lot more young people were going to be able to get access because they weren't going to need to have, aren't going to need to have their their parent or caregiver signing something to opt them in. So super exciting um, legislation. Um, but as as you know, we've been saying, um, because youth and care move around so much, they were really falling through the cracks because, you know, if they're moved from school to school a couple of times a year, that means that they're they may not get that section of sex ed, you know, they may like be pulled out of school right before or right in the middle of it. And when I worked as a as a sex educator, I worked with a group home here uh, close to where I live. And oftentimes, you know, I would have students start and then through the end of the time that we were together, because sex ed often takes a couple of sessions a couple of time for us to come together, they wouldn't be there or I would have a completely new group of folks. So, um, so that was, you know, kind of the issue there where with youth and care, um, or their caregivers would opt them out because of their personal beliefs, um, even though it didn't really like, even though they need the information, and it's not what they personally wanted, right. So, um, Rep actually led the way with um, Senate Bill 89, which was really exciting. And um, SB 89 is focused specifically on youth and care and ensuring that they're receiving quality sexual health education. So it was adopted in 2017, and it's the California Foster Youth Sexual Health Education Act. 
And so SB 89 requires child welfare agencies to make sure that youth in foster care get comprehensive sex ed and created new training requirements for foster uh, caregivers social workers and judges to just know uh, what what um, what young people have the right to receive. Um, and it also requires them to make sure that young people are receiving sex ed, young people in care are receiving sex ed in compliance with the California Healthy Youth Act. And so I think we're that's the amazing. only state. Yeah, yeah, I think we're the only state that's requiring that. So um, it's really kind of holding accountable also the folks that come in contact with, with youth and care. Yeah, that care yeah. for them. Yeah. Wow. So when it comes to sex ed for youth and care and the, you know, differences and similarities uh, with the sex ed that really meets their needs, I would say that in a lot of ways, you know, the needs of youth and care are similar to the needs of youth who are not in care in terms of like the type of information and topics that are taught. So for example, things like gender identity and sexual orientation, birth control, abortion, healthy relationships, like these are all topics that all youth need and should have access to. Um, I would say that where the difference is, um, is in how the information is delivered and who it's delivered by. So, you know, by definition, being removed from your family of origin is a traumatic event, um, even, even when it's necessary and appropriate. So, it often means, you know, that being removed from your community, from your school, um, and, and the people that you, you know, um, is obviously going to going to impact you in a big way and traumatize um, mm-hmm. folks. So additionally, uh, youth in care are more likely to have experienced um, sexual molestation before entering care. They're also more likely to experience it while they are in care. Um, so I say all of this because it's really important that um, sex ed for for youth and care is trauma informed, and I think trauma informed is is necessary for everyone, but especially for young people that are in foster care and and for folks who are delivering this care to be really trained in in how to do that um, and how to have these conversations. Um, yeah, like I mentioned before, youth in care don't often have access to trusted adults that they can have these conversations with. And um, even though the state, the state takes legal responsibility for them, with so many folks coming in and out of their lives, it's often hard to know who is responsible for what. And and sex ed is such a good example. Like most folks feel like sex ed is some something that somebody else should be in charge of or like somebody else should talk to them about that, right? But if everyone's kind of like passing the ball to each other, no one's actually really there for that young person. So that's why for us, it's really important that we are equipping adults um, like I said, and, and the, the people that care for youth in care, and because our research has shown that for young people, the most common source of information uh, for foster youth when it comes to sexual and reproductive health is their friends. So kind of with all of this in mind, we've really, um, one of the projects we've worked on to kind of, you know, help meet these needs is we've created two podcasts in partnership with our youth advisory board and our youth advisory board is made out of uh, is made 
of former foster youth. These podcasts serve as an added resources for youth in foster care, uh, as well as for the adults that support them. So we have a podcast that's called Self-Taught. And these are really the conversations that our youth advisory board wish they would have had when they were in care. Um, And so they're just like really beautiful, like raw conversations around like health and puberty and identity and and how they walk through the world. And that was specially created for youth who aren't currently in foster care. And they felt like this venue was going to be more free for them, right? They weren't in a school setting. They can have those real honest conversations. And so, um, yeah. And our other podcast, Fostering Parenthood, is tailored towards caregivers. And it includes our youth advisory. Many of our youth advisory board members um, are... Our host um, is a caregiver um, and so can really speak to a lot of like the challenges and and the beautiful moments that come with being uh, a foster parent. And each episode talks about some best practices, tools, tips and tricks for caregivers to have these really important conversations with with the youth that they care for. So, yeah, I would say, you know, like in in many ways to answer the big question, it's similar, but it's also very unique. and, um, And there's a lot of tools to help with that. Yeah, I'm chewing on a lot that you just gave us right now, which is like the first reaction I have is it's that's amazing that you have these podcasts because I feel like that's exactly where my mind was going to when youth move around so much and they're not able to depend on school. They have their phones, right? Like usually youth have phones. Like I assume that, you know, through the state or through, you know, whatever rights that they have access to when they reach a certain age, maybe they get access to a cell phone. And so they have the internet at their fingertips. Um, And so being able, that's why it's so special for me to be able to teach through TikTok and through Instagram because I'm like meeting young people where they're at. Same thing, hopefully, that I hope with this podcast, hopefully a few young people are listening now, you know, and and so I think it's really smart to utilize your youth advisory board and create these podcasts and have the caregiver be the host of the caregiving podcast. I think it's really brilliant. And I really, really appreciated what you said about the caregivers who are teaching sex ed through workshops, either like in their homes or like through schools or whatever other resources they have, the folks who are facilitating these need to be trauma-informed. They need to be aware of these statistics about abuse and about the hardships that folks, young folks in foster care are experiencing before they come into the classroom or the space. And so I just, yeah, I think that's that's incredible. Um, I guess on to the next question, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but just around like the rights that foster youth have, like how how are educators and facilitators teaching foster youth about advocating for themselves in this very challenging, very overwhelming sometimes system? Yeah, that's a really good question. And and again, the rights will depend on the states. And I, I can talk about kind of um, California and what that looks like here. But I will say that a big part of young people um, accessing a sexual and reproductive health care information is is one, what's the law, right? Like, what do they have the right? What are their actual rights? And then another big part of that is like, what are the obligations of folks like social workers, caregivers, judges, etc, to inform them of their rights and to provide them with with that information. So in California, we kind of have that two pronged approach, uh, right? So um, 
here in California, young people have the right to get medically accurate, comprehensive sexual health education. Um, they have the right to consent to and to get sexual and reproductive health care on their own. Um, so without needing to tell, you know, um, a social worker or a, a caregiver, um, they have the right to keep that health information private to themselves. They also have the right to decide what services they want and what services they don't want, and the right to choose a reproductive health care provider that they feel the most comfortable with, which is really important. Um, and they also have the right to live in a place in which they're able to express their true identity, their gender, their sexual orientation, um, and also be able to have access to birth control, regardless of, uh, you know, the beliefs of their caregivers and the folks around them. And for agencies and caregivers, uh, they have an obligation to make sure that young people have transportation to appointments, uh, that if young people are experiencing any barriers in trying to access health care, that they're working with that young person to make sure there's a plan in place to to remove those barriers and and to get them to where they need to be. The social workers are also required to let youth know that they have rights once a year, uh, starting at the age of 10. So they have to inform young people of their rights to, you know, the ones that I just mentioned. They're also required to document uh, whether or not young people have received sex ed. Um, and if that young person has, for whatever reason, skipped uh, sex ed, they weren't able to get it once in middle school and once in high school, they have to create a plan. Um, to to ensure that they're going to get that sex ed. So uh, yeah, those are that's kind of what it looks like. There's a lot of details. So um, right. I'm sure we can, I can share links with you uh, to share with your listeners if they're interested in really like digging into the the rights, uh, because they have a lot of rights. And so it's just important that they know that they do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you say once per year, do you mean like appointments or sex ed workshops? Or what, what do you mean by the the once per year that they have a right to? Yeah, so they have a, um, so their caseworkers or social workers are, are required to let them know that they can access that information. And um, Senate Bill 89, part of that um, law, it created trainings for, um, you know, caseworkers, judges and caregivers. And so in those trainings, they kind of get informed of what resources are out there that then they can provide to the young oh, person. Understood. So that's yeah. really for like the caregivers and for the, the people who are facilitating that they have to like kind of re-up on their skills once per year in order to know what to to give out to the youth. Yeah, well, they're supposed to be checking in with that young person once a year and just making sure like, hey, you have the right to this information. Uh, and if that young okay. person is like, I don't know where the the caregivers, uh, the social workers and caseworkers are supposed to have kind of like a little toolbox and saying like, well, you can get information here, right? And mm -hmm. it's really important that they know that that information has to be medically accurate uh, from a trusted resource. Um, okay. And so they get kind of trained in that in the back. Okay. End. Yeah. Do you maybe foresee like back to maybe like digital tools and resources through video or through other kinds of, uh, you know, avenues? Do you foresee it being beneficial because youth in foster care are so often moving around, like you mentioned, Maybe they're not really getting as much as other people who are staying at the same school are getting, depending on their state, et cetera. Do you imagine a future where maybe there's like 
a hub, a digital hub for, for example, California youth in foster care that they can access for free to get this information on their own terms. Uh, I feel like there's there's yeah. an opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. I I will say that there's a lot, I, you know, especially like after COVID hit, like the very beginning, I know we're still in COVID times, um, but when everything really like switched to virtual, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of um, information out there. And our, our website houses a lot of like the rights for youth. Um, so if they need to know their rights, um, they can come to our website at fosterreprohealth.org. And then they'll be able to see that if it's social workers and caseworkers, they can see that too. Um, I think a lot of orgs have information, but it kind of is, you know, like sometimes it feels like it's very spread out. I, I will say that one of the projects we've been working on the last couple of years um, as rep is um, s- virtual sex ed specifically for youth and care in a curriculum that's specific for them and meets their needs. Um, and so that's been a really exciting project that rep has been working on. And, and the thought behind the virtual aspect of it is that because youth and care are moving so much, that's something virtual um, is, is, is really the best, uh, the best alternative, right? And because social workers are required to ensure that they're getting that sex ed once in middle school and once in high school, that if the social worker realizes that this person hasn't received that sex ed, that they they know they can connect with, you know, Mm -hmm. um, this org, and they can just sign them up virtually. And that young person can now receive their sex ed online. And so I do see a lot of digital opportunities uh, for this. And I I think your idea around a hub, like, yes, is very cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. 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 Um, well, amazing. Thank you so much, Cindy, for being here. This has been a really informative episode. I know I learned a ton. And where can our followers find you and kind of what are you all working on next? Yeah. Um, so followers can find me. My email is ccruise at youthlaw.org. So if anybody wants to contact me personally, they can find me there. Uh, but our website, as I mentioned, is fosterreprohealth.org. And so folks can find a lot of resources there. Uh, we're on Instagram at rep underscore CA and Twitter at Nickel Health. Um, so folks can really find us there. And I think for what's next for our team, you know, um, with the Dobbs decision, it's been really important for us to look at um, how we can take everything that we've learned here in California and help folks expand that at a national level for youth in care. Like you said, a lot of folks in the repro space maybe haven't heard of the unique needs of youth in care. And so for us, it's really important to like uplift these. We're getting a lot of um, questions from folks right now, post-dobs. And so for us, we're, we have our eye on, on helping folks expand this nationally. And I, you know, personally, I feel like I would love for our team to also work with youth in other systems as well. You know, we have amazing folks at Nickel that are working with immigration systems and the juvenile legal system. Um, And so I think, you know, those are also areas where we want to make sure those young people have bodily autonomy and healthy sexual development. And so kind of expanding in those directions is 
really exciting for us as well. Hopefully we can do that in the next couple of, of years. Amazing. Thank you so much, Cindy, for thank being you. here. It's been such a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that folks are going to get to learn a little bit more about youth and foster care. So thank you for taking the time to, to talk to me and make this episode. Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our social media intern is Sarah Kelly. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sex ed with DB podcast and on TikTok at sex ed with DB. See you next time.